If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today we've got four guests, not just one guest, but we've got four guests all from animal biomechanical medicine profession. In Australia, we've got Rebecca Hill, Alona Hudson, who's a vet, Rebecca Hill is an osteopath, Jenna Norrie, who's osteopath, and Stephen Porter, who's osteopath. Now, I'm going to talk to the four of them. They've got all these questions all sorted out, so I'm going to ask one question at a time. But first of all, I want to say hello to you, and if you could just introduce yourself so people will know with your voice who's talking. So can we start with Alona? Hi, my name's Alona, and I'm a vet. I'm Jenna. I'm an osteopath. I'm Rebecca. I'm an osteopath. I'm Steve. I'm an osteopath. All right, then. Now, we're going to start off just to get the hang of who you are, and you can tell us a little bit more about this fairly new profession, from what I understand. Um, Your favourite quote, usually we say this just for people to get to know you a little bit better and to, to get a bit of a background, see where you're coming from. It can be something that you live by. It can be something that you use when you teach. But what have you got for us? Well, this is Alana. I've actually chosen a quote that fits for all of us, and it says, horses were never wrong. They always did what they did for a reason, and it was up to you to figure it out. Okay. Okay. And I think that goes well with training, with just understanding them a little bit more as well. Now, starting, I don't want to talk about individually necessarily how you started with horses, but the profession. Tell us a little bit about the profession. How old is the profession? How new is the profession? Sort of a little bit of both, I think, from what I understand. Can someone speak to that? Yeah, sure. Um, the original course at RMIT was an animal chiropractic course, which was very, very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, that course ended in uh, 2008, and uh, I was in, involved in it in, the, in effect because Jeff Morrison, one of the osteopaths that had done the course, asked me if I would uh, put on a course for the vet faculty and talk about the principles of osteopathy as well as the chiropractic. Okay. We put the course on at a weekend initially. Uh, We did schedule three. And having had the first weekend and it was quite a success, I elected to complete the chiropractic course myself. I'm just thinking about the whole equine body work and maybe I'm on the wrong track but I understood that it started like in China and Egypt like as a really ancient thing that people did to help their horses and help their animals when they worked with them is that right not right am I on the wrong track Uh, I think that perhaps the body work that you're referring to and I I think you're probably correct Mm. is actually referring to a much um 
a much cruder form. Oh, for sure. Um, for I'm, sure. I'm not putting yep. it down, but but what we're what this particular profession is doing is using the more refined techniques of chiropractic and osteopathy mm-hmm. um, that are used on humans and bringing them across and applying them to animals. Okay, good, good. When you say crude, I can imagine I was um, looking through some of my family, you know, and I'm talking sort of maybe great grandparents, and I, I had a one of them had a brother somewhere along the line that was a publican and a vet. You know, how do you get and was both both together? So I can imagine how crude the the um you know the veterinary work was. So yes, I can imagine that it wouldn't be as anywhere near refined to what it is now. So yes, yes. I think all of the professions are continually evolving, but yep. but we really have some very very refined and educated operators out there now who are really professional body. Yeah, yeah, and and very good for the horses too because that's what we're all about. You know, the animals, the horses, and I think the more research that goes into it, the more work that goes into just the scientific, the study, the research based study. Uh, yeah, much, much, much better for the animals, which is what we're worried about. So the practice itself, we've got veterinary, chiropractic and osteopathic. Um, the group itself, sorry, and I interrupted you there, Stephen, but the group itself started. When did it start? The animal chiropractic, you did the animal chiropractic yeah. course earlier than me, Alana. Um, yeah. I finished the course in 2000 and uh, two thousand and four. Yep. So it had been running for some years already um, before that, and it ran for a few years after I did it. And and now the course exists in a different form that has been written by the practitioners. At, at once again, a much more refined format. Yes. Involving yes. more involving, so coming across more from chiropractic to to having a much stronger influence from the osteopath. Mhm. Mhm. Okay, that makes sense. Now, so what did you do, you know, between all of you, you wrote the course, how did that work out with the veterinary, the chiropractic, the osteopathic, it all came together because different people from the different disciplines were writing the course? Yeah, basically. And when we say we've got the course, we've got, you know, the the actual profession, what does the profession do? We should probably talk about that a little bit more. Um. This is Rebecca. Yeah, I've, I've just been training horses all day, um, <laughs> so I can I can tell you a little bit about what I did today. Yes, please, uh, please. It's all right. Yep. So the the first horse that um, I saw was a, a pony. Yep. And um, that it had a, a problem with one of his back legs and was having trouble lifting his back through, um, especially the canter transitions. And um, and the rider was unbalanced as well. So we've been working on strengthening through his back end and helping the rider get a lot more strong through her position as well. Um, then I've seen a show pony. I used to be a sorry. I used to be a riding instructor as well mm-hmm. um, in a previous career before I did this. Um, I saw some show a show pony. Um, I saw uh, an event horse who'd had uh, a problem with his back end and was just not right since he pulled off a shoe. Um, I saw a, a horse that had pneumonia 
as a foal and hadn't quite developed into his full um, capacity. He's an enormous, big, warm blood horse. So I've been doing some work through his ribs and through his neck and, and his back and get him breathing a lot better. So it's, it's, I see a vaulting horse. I see, uh, I've seen race horses. Um, we we get we treat it we we treat pretty much everything. Okay, okay, that that sounds really good. So the body work that you're doing or the biomechanical work that you're doing, how does it vary from veterinary medicine? Do you get referred to from vets? So this is Alana now. Yes, um, we yes we get referrals from vets, and sometimes um, cases will come directly through to us through word of mouth. Yep. The difference from traditional veterinary practice is we tend, we're obviously not using drugs because some of our practitioners aren't um, vets, so they're not qualified to do that style of treatment. We are, however, using um, soft tissue techniques and manipulations uh, to alter alter the way that a horse is going. Oftentimes, the things that we're dealing with are things that don't fall within the scope of traditional veterinary practice. So a horse may be at a level of inconsistency in its gait that you wouldn't actually truly call, call it lame and be able to go and perform a nerve block. Mm-hmm. So so they, they fall into, I guess, a grey area. And things like Rebecca was talking about where a horse hasn't fully grown correctly because of an injury or an ailment while it was young, that's, that's not really within the scope of traditional veterinary practice, but we're able to, say, increase the way that the horse is able to breathe or improve the way it's able to breathe and move to a point where it can actually start to grow correctly or move correctly. Okay. Okay. I think that that's interesting. And I'd like you to, you know, just thinking about the case studies because I know that, you know, you were talking about horses that you'd seen today. For people who would like to get into this, should they come in as a vet, as a chiropractor, as an osteopath, they do that first, and this is like postgrad studies, is it? How does that work? Yes, yeah, so this is Jenna. Mm-hmm. So, in order to enroll in the postgraduate diploma of animal biomechanical medicine, you have to actually be a qualified osteopath, chiropractor, or vet, yep. which are all five year courses. And then you have to have two years of clinical practice in your own field yep. before you are able to enroll in the ABM course. So that essentially means that by the time we get there, we've all had seven years under our belt. Yep. Um, and we then start the, the postgraduate course from there. I can see why you're saying it's a lot more refined and not as crude as some practices. Yeah. I'd like you to think about just a, a case study of how this work has helped the horse. Have you got a case study? I'd like to hear a couple of those because I think that would be interesting for our listeners to have a case study so they can think, oh, I wonder if my horse could benefit from this type of work. Well, I think I, well, this is Alana, sorry. I'll yep. give you, um, a, I guess, a very out there kind of one. Yeah, please. And this is a common thing that people will say, is, I don't know if you can help me, but, mm. or have you ever seen something like this? So I was presented with a horse that in traditional veterinary sense was quite injured by uh, in a truck accident uh-huh. and he was young colt and he was unable to retract his penis and Having been through all of the regular veterinary investigations, um, the end result of it, he was faced with a surgery of penile amputation, which is a 
a fairly severe, obviously quite confronting procedure for a lot of horse owners. Yep. And the call was, I don't know if you can help me with this, but, and we were, and, and I was able to successfully manipulate this horse without um, any drugs, mm-hmm. such that he um, fully retracted his penis and went on to compete in his chosen field, his camp drafting horse, and and win and have a very successful career, which is a terribly exciting procedure. Oh, that's that's really good. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. And there were some very relieved horse owners. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else got something like that? It'd be great if I could hear those. Um. I'll, I'll say a dressage horse that I was treating um, and I'm still under my care at the moment. He'd yep. actually flipped over and broke his patella. Okay, yep. Now, yep. A reasonably <laughs> significant uh, injury for this animal and using some rehab uh, as well as the, the mobilisation and the fascial work and, and everything else that we do, you're able to formulate a plan of how you're about how you're going to go about this in the first place um so you've got a prognosis and an outcome that you can expect this horse to achieve its milestone so you can see a timeline of a of the progression of where you've come from and where you're going to so mm-hmm. whether or not so that you can you can get an outcome yep. now um jenna and i have just finished the animal biomechanics course in the in its in its most recent form and part of that is uh was steve was has been teaching his way of diagnosing uh sorry assessing the horse um so that you can work out what is the the most significant problem and mm-hmm. in that case the broken patella was fairly obvious but i mean we've all been on a horse and go look i don't know what's wrong but they're not right and that's what I get called to, and Jenna and Alana and Steve get called to the most, yes. is that I don't know what's wrong and you need to work that out. And um, I'm just going to pass on to Steve for a second so mm-hmm. that he can talk Please. a little bit about his way of um, how he assesses the horse. That would be really good. Thanks, Steve. And so I come into the course with no horse background at all. Okay. And about 30-odd uh, years of osteopathic practice and teaching. Mm-hmm. And... The first thing I saw was in the gait analysis, watching the horse walk was, was incredibly complex compared to a bipedal walking. Okay. And I noticed that a lot of people had their own particular and peculiar ideas of how to assess gait, and I read a lot of papers. And I came down to the fact that it would take me probably years to learn to assess good gait. Mm-hmm. So I took a very simple diagnostic procedure for humans using your hands and altering balance and weight bearing, and I converted it into a system for the for the quadruped. Mm-hmm. So that we could systematically, using very simple tests, assess where the animal was having the most restriction in musculoskeletal performance. And since then, we've refined that, and we believe that it can simply be taught and learned by anyone so that in the rehab, which Alana will speak later, um, the owner, after we've assessed the horse, worked out the problem and treated it, then the owner can be given homework in the form of exercises which will reinforce the treatment we've just given so that we get a much longer-lasting treatment effect. 
Okay. And okay. just to add on that, if yep. that's okay, I have a case study that I think is would, yeah, it's quite relevant to a lot of horse and, well, horses and, and their riders. So I was looking after this horse who had a previous hind limb flexor tendon injury. Yes. Um, which had healed and he had re- returned to work, which was dressage. Um, and when I came out to see him, she was saying that he was really good, but still not quite right. And they were having a hard time with some of their lateral work and wanting mm-hmm. to progress. But, you know, things weren't going as they had hoped. So I had a look at the horse and, you know, found biomechanical restriction and addressed those. And he was compensating from the old injury. But I also had a look at the rider too. And on further questioning, um, you know, she also suffered a little bit of hip pain um, she'd had abdominal surgery for herself and she worked at a desk job so she was quite sedentary outside of the horse riding. Um, so I looked at treating them both as a team, like looking at his compensation, which is the horse, and then looking at the rider's compensation and how were they compensating for one another and giving them both homework and both treatment of which then that, you know, they could work on it together because, you know, as horse and rider, we are we are a, a bit of a team. Yes, yes. Um, and I got a text message a week later saying that had a super lesson and their lateral work had really progressed <laughs> and they were really happy. So I think that that's nice too, that you know, some of the cases aren't always profound, but they can be very useful and can apply just, you know, to, to every horse and rider, be it, you know, your, your weekend rider or, or your professional. Yes, and I think the fact that you're looking at the combination of the two, I think that's something that um, a normal vet would come out and be looking at a horse, but a vet's not necessarily going to have a look at the combination of the horse and the rider. And I also like the way too, Stephen, that you've got that way of systematically assessing gait. You know, you sound more like a scientist than someone who's come in and just had a lot of background with horses, but maybe the fact that you haven't had that background with horses made it so that you had to go through and, and, you know, work out a way to assess the gait? Well, one thing I like about the, the course and its new format is three-way conversation between vets, osteopaths and chiropractors. Mm-hmm. So we all learn off each other. It's not, it's not one, one has got the best way of doing things. It's just too much information to know. And being able to say, let's say it's a vet come to look at your horse and it's a rider problem, we teach the vets how to do a basic screening on the rider to okay. see whether or not it's actually the rider that's the problem here or if it's the horse. There's one, and again, a dressage horse. We do treat other things apart from dressage horses. Yeah. But, um, True. but yeah. um, I was watching the, the combination walk away from me and the, the girl's hip range of motion was terrible. Mm. She'd had an mm. old injury mm. and she was riding a, a compensation into a horse. I yes. said, well, I can treat your horse. It's not a drama. But the actual the problem is not your horse. It's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we, yeah. We do that a bit more lightly than that. <laughs> no, I think that's good. Yeah, and then, alone, you know, because we've talked about, Stephen, you're learning how to systematically assess the gait. But, Alona, how do you go then? You know, you're looking at the horse and the rider. Have you used some of your veterinary knowledge or how did you – start to look a little bit more at the rider rather than the horse? I guess there's a couple of things there. One is I'm a rider myself. So okay. I'm yeah. fascinated by the way that riding horses can affect my body. Mm. Um, I, I have a fundamental interest in, in gait, whether it's horses or dogs or people, and I have 
this habit of watching people when they walk and, and just making, not a judgment, but, you know, make, have, formulating some thoughts on them. And then the other is I've had the benefit now of um, about 15 years of experience of working with chiropractors and osteopaths who've had a massive influence in what I do. So not only in, in talking to them and teaching with them um, and doing classes with them, but also attending those kind of practitioners for myself and, and learning about my own body and how it functions and using that to learn about um, learn, learn about the human body and, and its function. And to, with their assistance, there is now developed within the course screen to teach vets. These are the basic things you can look at mm-hmm. um, that, that will allow you to say to someone, please go and get an assessment by a human health practitioner. Okay, okay. On the flip side with that from a non-vet, whether yep. it's a chiropractor or an osteopath assessing the horse, we are taught the, the basic orthopedic examinations and nerve root, uh, um, nerve screens, uh, the, the basic vet tests that they do. So we can rule in or rule out whether or not this is a veterinary problem and, and if it's whether or not it's something we can actually treat. Mm. There's, I think one of the, the biggest dramas that you have with unqualified professional, um, professionals doing this is that it may not be something that's going to benefit from, from an adjustment or from biomechanical work. It may need the vet, it may need medicine, it may need surgery, it may need something else. And because of the three-way conversation with the vet, we can rule in or rule out whether or not that's a veterinary problem. There's been a couple of cases where I've been to and I've said straight away, this is a veterinary problem, not even touching it. Okay. Yeah. Or when when you look at a horse and they say, oh, what do you think? Um, And I said, there's something not right. You need to see your vet. There's been x-rays and, sure, there's been stuff that's come up on on film. So, you know, absolutely, it's about working out what is applicable, what was within the scope of our practice. And the, the strength of our profession is that we comfortably refer to each other so mm-hmm. that we're always in the horse's best interest at heart. Yes, and I think that's the important bit, isn't it? You know, it's the horse's Absolutely. best interest at heart. Yeah. I mean, we're all yeah. in it because we love horses. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Just thinking about, you know, generally across the board, the horse owners, you know, you'd see, and I know that you said, I think it was you, Rebecca, that said about seeing quite a few dressage horses. Well, dressage you know, the gait is very important. It has to be quite correct and, and trained well. I mean, the gait's important for all the horses and the welfare is important for all the horses. But is there something generally across the board that as riders, as horse owners, as, um, you know, people associated with horses that are not professionals, is there something across the board that we can do to help our horses that you've seen within your professional? You know, there's something that you go out and you say, oh, here's another one, here's another one, and they're still doing this, and we've got to educate these people to do this differently to help look after their horses better. Have you got anything at all there that that people can do? Absolutely. Um, It's the pre-flight checks. So before you even get on your horse, um, I did used to work in some uh, yards in England and some of the, uh, before you even get on, you had to run your hands down the horse's legs yes. and their back 
and do a general range of motion through their neck and, and a general well-being assessment, so to speak, so that you didn't just get on. So if I know I've got a horse that's a bit weak behind on that horse, so it's going to improve him or her, um, not make the problem worse. So if you've got a horse that's got a sore back and then you whack the girth on and then you, you go jumping and then it, it decides that it's not going to perform the next day, that doesn't help you or your horse. So this is one of the things that we treat the owners is specific stretches mm-hmm. for their horse. And we teach them how to do it in front of us so that they're giving a little mini treatment in between um, appointment times. That means they actually need us less. Which yep. is what, you know, look, I've had horses, I know how expensive they are, and I know how, if, if you don't know what what is wrong, you can go down about 10 different pathways trying to work out what the problem is. If you've got a way that you can assess the horse, work out what is wrong, and then teach the owner how to help their horse every day, mm. you, you can get, there's a, there's a little school pony I treat who has the most way had the most way back you could possibly imagine. <laughs> now on the yard there are just so many little girls who will just stretch the pony and I show them how to do it and they're supervised when they do it by by the instructor. That horse's back is nowhere near as sway. Okay. She's doing as many lessons as she can as she can cope with. All the kids love her. She's shiny. She's twenty one years old. Oh, that's a good news story. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is this. You can make a massive change to your animals, yes. and who would normally be? Oh, you're too old to do that. She's mm-hmm. teaching kids how to ride. She's she's having a ball. She's she's bright, alert, and what more could you want? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, just that comment too that, that you're teaching people to do exercises so they need you less. And I think it's a genuine professional who's doing this because they're concerned about the welfare for the horse. If they can say, look, do it this way, I don't need to come back as much. So, you know, rather than someone who says, oh, yeah, I'll just come back each week until you can't afford me anymore. I think that itself is just a, a genuine recommendation for people to have a look at um, animal biomechanical medicine profession. But how many people are there within your profession? Uh, a lot more than what you probably realised. Um, okay. It's, it's certainly a, a growing number. Yep, yep. And and are they spread out? Are they all within one area? If someone has got, is listening and saying, I wonder if this horse, you know, what I can do with this horse and, and would like to um, get someone out to look at their horse, do you have members all over the place? I mean, what's the, the range of membership? Are you international? Are you all over Australia? It is international. So there's Australia Good. and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I probably can't think of any practitioners in the Northern Territory, but other than that, they're fairly well Good. spread yep. throughout Australia. And there's certainly more. There's a small cohort graduating every year. Uh, of new practitioners, and they all bring a slightly different skill set because they all have a slightly different background. But the greatest thing about these this group of practitioners is they're all very happy to collaborate with other practitioners from within the profession 
and and get other opinions. So they've actually got the backing of the whole membership and, and the ability to ask for help if they get stuck. Okay, and, and just as a profession, you know, I'm just thinking you're not only going to go to uni for five years, then go into practice for two years, you know, you've got seven years of, and not before that, you know, you've still got to qualify to get into uni. You've still got to qualify before then. So you've got quite a few years of study, of being open, of being wanting to learn because it's not a compulsory course. It's it's an optional course and it's the type of person who is open, who does want to come in and um, learn a bit more. They're the type of professionals that you're dealing with. If someone would like to contact you, we'll talk about your contact details anyway, but what about if they'd like to contact someone from your profession? Is there like a standard line? Is there an online version where you give advice online? Do you have that? What's the options for someone who's in an area where there's no professionals in their area? At this stage, there isn't really an online consulting service. That certainly Mm -hmm. may be something we're able to look at in the future. The focus at the moment has been training adequate practitioners to get the profession suitably covered over Australia. Yes. But there is a website with uh, a list of members who are qualified and, and certainly that can be very useful. There's also a fairly active Facebook page and you can send messages through the Facebook page um, if you're looking for a practitioner or looking for some help. And I guess that would be a way to ask a question or to monitor what's current and happening in the profession. Yep, 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 for sure, for sure. Can I go back a question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just, um, there's, there's a pause because I'm just formulating a uh, I just wanted to answer a, you know, something that you were saying before. Is that, yeah. Yes, it is, it, it is a long fall of the study, mm. but it really doesn't seem that long when, when you're in it because every – Every step of the journey is so inspiring and passionating, uh, you mm, know, mm. passionate about it that we just, you, you know, like I'm hearing this now thinking, oh, my goodness, that took me nine years. It doesn't <laughs> feel like nine years yeah, and I've yeah. loved every minute of it. So it's, it, sounds, it sounds daunting, but, you know. But I think so that's, the- that's yeah. you as a person. You know, you're the type of person who says, isn't this great? I'm learning more. I'm taking the step by step. I'm soaking it all in. So I think... That, is that typical of people within that profession that they, they love what they're learning, they love that they're so able to soak it all in? Yes, I, I, I think that's typical because I think, you know, in order to have got through all those years to then be accepted into the course, there's a level of maturity. So as mm, a mature mm. age student, you're not like you're there and you're paying money and you're giving up your time and you're leaving your own clinic um, to, you know, to, to study and to come on these courses because this is what we want to do and this is what drives us. Yep, and yep. we're surrounded by like-minded people. So how could you not be inspired and how could you not love it? Mm, mm, mm. Yes, I think that's good. Yeah. All right. Do you have philosophy before we go? You know, is there anything, of, just a message for our listeners, you know, and thinking that from our listeners' point of view, we're going to have probably the majority of them are going to be horse owners who are thinking, I think this is the type of professional that I would need to be in contact with, you know, to look at my horse, maybe not now, but in the future. But then you're also going to have some of our listeners that might be thinking, well, I'm already qualified or, you know, I'd like to now take another step in my career. So what would you like to say as a message for those listeners? 
I think what's come out for me from this with the blending of different practitioners in chiropractic, osteopathy, veterinary, yep. um, is the fact that if we look at the whole package, and we'll be doing this at Equitana this year, mm. we have ABM professionals speaking on four different um, counts. Yep. Uh, if we say there's an old adage in the horse world that says no hoof, no horse, and the hoof is the connection with the ground and the earth in which he has to move. So the health of the wolf is, in, is super, supremely important in that respect. That leads into the biomechanics of the horse and his whole motion. So our profession is treating in that. Then there's a connection of the horse to the rider in the saddle, and we have um, an excellent saddle fit, uh, speak, saddle, saddle fitter speaking at the, at the course. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, we put the rider, and essentially then the rider and the horse become one moving unit. So philosophically, the whole perfect, the whole four professions or three professions are then blended to the one. Yep. And that's what I see as a major benefit. Okay. I think that when we when we look at it, um, there's no question that the, that the veterinary science is the medicine of of the animals. Mm. But what we're saying is the complementary nature of what we all do and coming together and sharing knowledge then allows us to improve the well-being of the horse. And that's what it's all about. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. If people would like to contact you, you know, whether whether they would like to contact you to find a practitioner or would like to contact you to become qualified themselves, the website page, what is the website? Um, it's A-B-M. Yep. T-R-O-F. Okay. Professional. Yes. Dot com dot A-U. Okay. And the Facebook page? The Facebook page is Animal yes. Biomechanical Professionals Australia. Perfect. All right. So if you just go to horsechats.com and search for animals, search for biomechanical or search for medicine, you'll find that. And we'll have the people who were speaking, which is Alona, Rebecca, Jenna and Stephen, all on the page as well. And the contact details, I think that would be the best way. You, you should be able to, to contact whether you're interested in further study or interested in finding a practitioner. And and the other thing is too, you know, the it, just to contact a practitioner and talk to them about yours or even, um, you know, video or whatever. I'm sure that, that um, you guys are going to be able to help anyone who's got a particular problem with their horse. Yes, that sounds fantastic. Thank you. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 